Hi everyone and welcome. Uh, this is the Fulixo Espresso Ride and Podcast. Uh, we are on episode, what is this, seven? Yeah. Episode seven, wow. Yeah, seven. Um, I'm Kaz, uh, co-founder of Fulixo. I'm here with Pablo. Um, I've been off for about three weeks in Europe, but it's good to be back for sure. And our special guest today is uh, Ish. Hello. Hey. Uh, Ish has brought us a, a really good location actually. We're at Rosalie uh, French Cafe. It's at... Uh, Russell, what is it? Rainbow and Patrick. Rainbow and Patrick. It's a nice little French cafe. Uh, yeah, good food, good coffee. Uh, definitely recommend the spot. Um, so before I let Ish get, give a little introduction about himself, um, I think we need to cover the one burning question that everyone has on their mind first up, which is, how do you get your legs so brown and tan and smooth? <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Can you, can so you, the legs, legs first and intro later. Can, can you show your legs for the live audience that we have on the table? Uh, and right now, actually, I missed. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't use the blade last night. So it's, a, it's a little natural. Okay. Like, what is it? Is it oil? Do you just sit out for? A few you know, it's every just, day? I think it's mostly jeans. But you know, a little gypsy in me. That's all right. What, um, are you, what are your jeans, man? What's your background? Where are you actually, I, I think well, I'm from Hungary. For those of you that don't know me, but. Part of my part of my family is actually gypsy, so I think that's why I'm a little darker than nice. than most. Maybe I tan a little quicker than most, but my tan line is pretty pretty visible still. So yeah. I'm interested in this gypsy story. What's going on with that? Uh, how, how did you? How did you? Is it? Are you like serious? Or you no, I'm really serious. Yeah, okay. my, my grandma on my dad's side, uh, she's uh, she's half gypsy, I think. Well, no, I think she is. And then you know, you got a bit of a darker tone. And, also, you want to travel all the time. It's weird. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I see that. All right. So, so we've addressed the, the, the skin color issue. <laughs> so, so give us nice. a little, little just like, um, you know, okay, so you're from Hungary. Give us a little background. What do you do? How did you get to Vegas? Sure. And uh, what are you interested in now? What are you up to? Yeah. So I, uh, my family moved here in late 90s, not to Vegas, but Kansas City area through an uncle, not to go too deep, but... 1956, a lot of the Hungarians left the country because of the Russians, so that's so how he ended up here. And then, you know, years went by, he would come back to visit after the 80s. And then uh, my mom had the opportunity to kind of come and visit the country. She ended up in Kansas City and then ended up getting married in Vegas with another Hungarian guy, and that's how I ended up here. Did she click her heels? She did, she did. Uh, she has the magic going on too. Uh, so we settled in Vegas. I came in 2000, uh, finished high school out here. I went to Shepherd High. Uh, I think Yash went there too. That's our, okay. That was our first uh, bonding question at Shepherd High School. But anyways, I went to UNLV for, um, and studied kinesiology, which is, uh, kinesiology is, is a little different in the States than in Europe. Europe is a very, it's almost like a chiropractic, holistic, um, medicine type of deal I guess here it's more scientific you got, you got biomechanics you got motor behavior motor development um, so is it like is it like a sports science focus or more just you know, like general population I would like? say kinesiology is an umbrella term if I have to put it anywhere because there's so many branches that you can do with it so you know if you're an athletic trainer you learn a bit of kinesiology I would say it's basically it's studying the human body and why it does things and, and how it does things 
you know, so it's not so much anatomy and physiology, but a little more than that. So okay. a lot of the, the pre-physical therapy students end up studying kinesiology because it's a good way to, you know, practically it's a good way to get the classes out of the way. Right. But also you can take some interesting classes. So, so you, okay, so you moved to America, you studied here, you did kinesiology. Um, so is that what you're, you're doing right now? Like what? So yes and no. Um, I do physical therapy. But a lot of the physical therapy is, is based, based a bit of kinesiology. I mean, the, the history of physical therapy is a little different, but you can get into that if you guys want to. But there's a lot of elements of kinesiology in physical therapy, okay. especially the holistic, whole body approach, um, figuring out functional ailments and then trying to fix them through exercise or manual therapy or whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what, what made you want to do that? Okay. Uh, I've always liked sciences. I was kind of a nerd when I was a little kid. I loved dinosaurs and animals. So I would go out in the forest and dig stuff. And actually where I lived, I grew up, it's a big deposit. So you could go and dig around and you could find like shells and stuff in the, uh, in the limestone. So I was, like, I was super stoked on that for a long time. So I was going to biology and that was my thing. But uh, as I got older, I got into sports. So I played soccer, uh, basketball. When I was growing up and I always had good coaches so I kind of got into that uh, a little too much uh, and then when I finished high school like okay I need to do something that's kind of along those two so and I found this major at UNLV called kinesiology I never knew didn't know anything about it until I started taking the classes I read into it and then I saw that you can do you can be a physical therapist after that just kind of like a, human coach, as uh -huh. I like to call it, you know, optimizing the human performance. Yeah. Or more like the human, um, not performance itself, but more like the, the human uh, experience, if you will, because, sorry, you do work with people that are in the hospital that are really, really sick, yeah. but you still kind of, you're trying to optimize their, um, their function. Yeah. So once again, physical therapy or PT in short is also very broad and has a lot to do with it. But, yeah. so, so so your real interest and the reason why you showed it would stem from sports, it sounds like. Sports and science, yeah. Okay. So, um, so right now, I think you work in a hospital, right? Do you, do you, um, so you have the opportunity to like, uh, give back to that like, kind of general population who maybe have an injury and stuff. Do you, do you also work with uh, people who do sports? Um, I, know, I know you've worked with me. Um, I had like, some really bad hip problems. Um, that we, we didn't know what the hell was going on, but um, I know like through the advice you gave me, through the programs you put me on, I definitely felt a difference. So, um, you know, do you, do you see yourself um, wanting to do more of like the general population stuff, or do you really long-term want to get into like a more sports-focused kind of physical therapy practice? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so it's a little different. I mean, I like both because, and it's really hard to pick, what I came to realize when I was coming out of school is like, I'm going to be all sports, I'm going to figure everybody out, and I'm going to make him like a super athlete. But as you come out and start working with the general population and um, hospital, or even just uh, after a knee replacement with an older, um, uh, older patient, you still see the progress, you know? And then I think most PTs are motivated by that. And, and as long as you see progress and you feel like you're, you, you're getting what they... Uh, Basically, your, your, your agreement on this, uh, this contract of like, yeah. you know, healing or whatever that yeah. you guys go on, 
as long as there's agreement in that, that yeah. is very rewarding. So it can be just, you know, having someone to stand up after right. like three right. weeks in bed. They're like, they're crying and they like can't believe yeah. it. Yeah, but no. also, yeah, like you said, if I figure someone out that's really competitive and they're bummed out because they can't push it the hard, as hard as they right. want to push, yeah. and I, you know, and then if you fix that, that's 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 also very important. Yeah, you know? no, I have a very similar outlook with nutrition in that, yeah, it's great to help, like, you know, the athlete or whatever with their, like, pre-race nutrition or, like, what to eat after a training ride and stuff, but at the same time, it's great to, like, you know, that person who just wants to shed a few pounds or improve their body composition, that's really rewarding as well, I think. As long as you're getting that, like, feedback and that, that like, kind of rewarding feeling, I think that's the most important part. Yeah, man, that's the biggest part, I think. Um, and, you know, because of the nature of the work, you do end up... Sometimes you have to see patients who just don't want to be there. Yeah. And you can sense it from the first five seconds, and that's just... So how do you motivate those people? And that's, that's when you have to be a good salesman, in a way. Uh, that's where the art part of physical therapy comes in. Sometimes you just have to... First of all, sometimes they just don't like you because the way you look or the way you speak or... Um, you, you, they have to wait for 10 minutes. Yeah. They're in pain. So that's, that's, it gets a little tough, and you have to kind of read the person a little bit yeah. and after that you have to either convince them that what you're doing has, is, is working or you can just tell them that you have to be stern with them hey man you just gotta, you just gotta move like you got hurt but you gotta move so that's a, that's a skill that's probably overlooked right that like you know the person comes in you really have to kind of like find out what their character is find out what their motivation is um, is that something you think that should be taught more and focused on in the, the academic part you know that's that's a good point and that's what I think sometimes it's lacking in a pro in some of the programs because it's something you can't really teach you know it's kind of comes to the age and you're dealing with people in general um, a lot of the times uh, people finish undergrad you know that they're 22 years old 21 years old and they're straight going to physical therapy without any real life experience quote unquote and they have a really hard time dealing with those patients for one they, they look young so when you have someone that's older or especially more experienced in rehab or whatever it just, and they, they are patient yeah. you know taking advice that's someone that's 10 years younger than you yeah. and have no, has no idea of your sport you have a hard time selling right. what you're doing to that person yeah. so it's a bit of a you have to build your resume or you know your street cred if you will you know if you want to kind of get better results but if you're just a good you know, motivator and then be able to talk and tell them that this is what physical therapy is and you educate them on what they have to do, they'll do, they'll do really well. But yeah. there's definitely some hurdles you have to overcome and it's, I think that's hard to teach. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I think like, that's a huge part of it. Like, you can like, know all the science, know all the practices, but like, you know, getting the client to do it and adhere to it is probably like, one of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. I think that's a really good introduction to the physical therapy bit. Um, I know something else I wanted to talk about was uh, your racing, right? So Ish is actually a part of the Fulixa cycling team. Um, he's been doing a lot of races this year. He's a cat four, but um, from what you just told me about your, your results recently, it sounds as though you're probably going to be upgrading to a cat three, which is great. Um, and there's one race in particular, I think, um, that would be really cool to talk about, which is uh, one you did, like, what, a week or two ago? The uh, Tour that, of the Gila? Last, last week, yeah, Tour of the Gila. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super fun. Okay, so tell, tell us, like, look, so it's your first time doing it. It's a big, big, big US race, right? A lot yeah. of boys do it, like... Yeah, I would say, you know, those of the people that race or know cycling, they know the kind of racing this is, and, you know, as a four, it's still 
quote unquote shorter than more, most uh, stage races, but longer than the one we are used to in this part right. of the country. So it's four days for us, five days for the threes and the pros and okay. And so the cat was uh, so what was stage one, two, three, four? So for us, stage one is a road race. Um, starts in. Uh, a town called Pinos Altos, which is pretty much seven miles north of Silver City, where the main event is located. And it's it starts in elevation, 5,000 feet, and you do a descent, just kind of technical. Uh, people talk about it before the race, and it really is very alpine, very um, um, it's kind of snakes down the mountain. And after that, you kind of chill for a little bit and do a, a, a highway climb, and the, and then that's it. So the first road race is is, is you know very. You know, it's friendly in a way, it's not too crazy. And then you have a time trial, which is a lot of fun, a lot of climbing. The wind made it challenging. And then you have a downtown criterium on Saturday, which is also an interesting course because the roads, anytime you do a downtown criterium, it's a little more different. The roads are a little beat up, so it makes it a little technical. So I like that. And there's a bit of a climb in it. So it's really, it's really fun to have the attacks uh, happen on that climb, yeah. the crazy uh, technical descent into this fast corner. So, a lot of fun. But the real challenge that most people talk about is uh, the last day, the last road race, which includes the uh, the first climb that we went down on the first day. Okay. And they, they call it the Gila Monster. And it's basically just, it's, it's I would compare it to Red Rock. The, the 20 minute so like effort, a 20 minute like but it's, it's it's four five percent yeah time. but you're hitting it you know people hit it hard yeah. you know like everybody knows it's coming and and because it's kind of snaky uh -huh. um it's really hard so you have to gauge your effort you can okay. you know can just blow up and then fall back but okay it's fun and then after that it's really technical into the forest uh -huh. the descent and 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 the shade it's, it's a lot of fun it's a lot okay. of adrenaline going through you as you're doing it so, so you were cat four, so it had about, what, 50, 60 riders in that, and yeah, I think uh, you came sick overall. Yeah, six in a GC. Yeah. really awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I, I, I felt good. You know, some of those juniors, uh, they actually had little teams around them. They, you couldn't beat them because they were protected, and then once the climbs hit, they were fresh, and they just took off on you. So you had to be, you had to kind of pick your battles of, you know, try and follow them, and, but... I just so, kind of break, you know. So, um, did you have expectations going in, or you know, were you just kind of like, uh, I'm just going to have fun, see what happens? Yeah. So I'm kind of like the, the that person that I'm trying to keep an open mind when it comes to anything. So I was going, you know, whether it's a newer city or a new experience, just kind of have an open mind and yeah. see, if we get ready for the surprises. So I knew it was going to be a hard race. So I kind of went in there. Okay, just try and keep you a little conservative, not don't get too crazy, yeah. even though it's just a four or five race is actually pretty challenging. So that's, yeah. that, was, that was my main outlook, and I knew it was gonna be hard, knew it was gonna be elevation, a lot of climbing. I mean, every stage had climbing, which is pretty fun, and at least for me. So that was cool. But I would say the coolest part of the whole experience was just being around the continental and the pro-continental right. teams. Just get to be in that environment. Yeah, I mean, like, they walk around. See the vans, see them walking See the vans, and you know, any restaurant you go into, sit down, there's, a, there's UHC eating the, yeah. the burger next to you, or yeah, yeah. there's Rally, or uh, Jelly Belly, or whoever, uh -huh. yeah. So that was cool to see. It's good to see the athletes you might see on Instagram or whatever. And yeah. You know, and you can talk to them, they're, they're real people. And you're riding the yeah. same, same course as Same well, course, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. What was like the biggest, um, 
because it's in New Mexico, right? It's not close by. So what, what was like? What were some challenges like in terms of like getting over there? And like, yeah. was it? You know, would you do it again? Like, what would you do differently? Like, I, I want to do it again. That's for sure. Because I know like a lot of people talk about that race in town. I think a lot of racers would love to go go there and do it. So I think they'd be interested to find out like you know what are some tips you have maybe that yeah. you know. If well, you want to do Tour de Gear, you should not stay here, but you should stay here. Don't, don't give anyone tips, man. <laughs> <laughs> who, who else? Who else? I'm, I'm, I'm going to. Um, well, actually, I got. You might know Isaiah Jerez from Allegiant. Okay. So, actually, I see him at Wednesday Night Worlds, which is a really fun ride. So, him and I were talking about it, and then the Qualets, they're actually thinking about getting some people together. So, what we did. They end, we end up renting a house, which is super, super fun. It's this artist that rents out her house, which is a super unique house. I have a little video on my phone if you guys want to look at it. Every room has like some kind of art, art piece in it, and it's painted and super custom. So we ended up staying there, the six of us. So as far as the logistics, that part was perfect. You know, driving, you have to give it a day because it's far and it's, it's not all freeway. You have to, it's a highway for a while. Or unless you can go to Tucson, it's a little longer if you want all freeway. So you have to give yourself a day for driving. But it's not a bad drive. You know, it's very scenic and I think it goes back fairly quickly. And then equipment is, you know, just take your regular stage race equipment, you know, extra set of wheels, trainer. Yeah, that's pretty much it as far as any, the, any the challenges team. in terms of getting from stage to stage, like um, is it everything pretty close? You know, they make it easy for you. Yeah. Because on the first day you do, you do finish a different area, but there's a shuttle bus that'll take you back to Pinos Altos, mm -hmm. which is a, a climb. And then the other categories have to actually climb into it. Okay. So we didn't have to do that, so, but they shuttle you back. So as far okay. as at the race, you know, you, if you have a car, you, you're fine. And they shuttle you if you buy yourself. I mean, I, did, I was by myself the whole time because the Legion guys were doing the other races. The other races, yeah, yeah. So it's totally doable, yeah. So what about? So you're staying in a house. So let's talk about nutrition. You know, um, what do you do? What do you do about food? Did, did you go out to eat all the time? Did, were you getting a Chipotle burritos or were no. you like buying so, food, a whole food, and then cooking up? Yeah, it's actually <laughs> the, you have to be a little bit prepared because Silver City does have food options, but it's not a very big town. I would say I would compare it to like a maybe a slightly larger than Boulder City. Okay. It's like, right. okay. a historic downtown, but overall it's a small city. So that's one burger joint you will try a couple of times because it was really good. And they have a little bit of a they call it a food co-op, but it's like a miniature Whole Foods that okay. we would go. And you know you have your McDonald's and all that stuff, but we didn't really eat that. So we became prepared. We brought your we brought our food as muesli for breakfast for most of the time. Okay. And then afterwards, just you know, we cooked a lot. Um, everybody. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, you know, Felix, are we're really into nutrition. I'm, I'm really into nutrition myself. Like, so I'm always interested to find out what different people, um, you know, what works for them. Like, so, so what's like your kind of uh, go-to for like? Okay, so for race day got, or? Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Like your dinner, and then your breakfast, and then um, during, and then after the ride. Okay. So. Typically, before a race, just a really wholesome dinner, you know? I'm not big on pasta, so I better pick something for carbs, like sweet potato, something like that. Okay. Definitely some veggies and some meat. 
to adjust the balance. Like yeah, 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 definitely. I'm not, I'm not, I used to eat pasta a lot, but it doesn't sit well with me anymore. Uh, I kind of cut it out. As you get older, the metabolism just. Falls I don't know apart. what it is, but <laughs> not big on pasta anymore. Uh, and for breakfast, you know, I don't eat big. I I, I love muesli. I don't know if it's a European thing or what, but... Do they, do they call it muesli in America? Do you know what muesli is? I think you can buy it. <laughs> it's, um, it's like Alpen, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically oats and raisins and... European. <laughs> I love it. So, it's come, is it a Swiss thing? Or? A Swiss guy, a Swiss nutritionist Swiss invented it, I think. Yeah. But it's basically just your typical slow burn carbs, I guess. Yeah. And so, you have that with just regular milk? So I'd, uh, the way I like it is uh, almond milk or regular milk, and I, I heat it up so it's a little warm. Okay. And nice. then I add some kind of fruit on top. So it's berries or strawberry, I cut it up or something. Delicious, okay. Yeah. Or apples. Apples are good. Okay, so you have that like, do you, like hour before, two hours before? I like to get up earlier because, you know, you can take care of your body functions. Okay. So at least two hours before the race, I get up and eat a little bit. Yeah. I have a bowl and then take care of things and then get ready. Yeah. Coffee? Coffee, yeah, of course. Oh. I have to get coffee. Right. Uh, and then what about what about doing? So you got like a that like two hour, three hour race. Yeah, like, yeah. What do you what do you like to eat? Do you like to drink? Or do you like to eat? Okay, so if it's a, let's say this is a two hour road race, and it's yeah. typical for cat three four. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really eat anything until the first hour. Yeah. Then I have a, usually a bar, so I, I make sure it's some kind of solid food. So right now I'm kind of have the those fig bark. Big bar kicks, the, I don't okay. know what they're called. But you can buy you know, the chocolate, the fruity ones. Oh yeah, I know the big bar. And they, they're easy to eat because they're two pieces, you just pop it in your mouth yeah. and then you can dine it pretty quickly. And then if you go into the second hour and I know the race is coming to an end, then I get something more fast burning. Okay. So I tried goose and uh, blocks. So those were pretty well because they're easy to eat on the bike. And I have tried dates that were pretty well. I think with dates, they're a little high in fiber also. So they can be a little, they don't get into your bloodstream as quickly. Right. Yeah, so, some GI distress maybe as well. Yeah, so I will, I, will, I will limit, and then you have to watch the pits. You don't want to like choke on the bike, yeah. so. Okay, and then now, okay, now the most interesting bit, the most exciting bit, what is your go-to recovery meal? Or cheat meal, as I like to call it, because that's when you can cheat, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, if it's a training ride, I try not to do that, but after the race, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah some, some kind of burger usually. Like a, I like Five Guys. Uh, oh, yeah. That's pretty tasty. We, we did the Tour de Sol together, and yeah, that was great. We actually, yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't say this as a nutritionist, but we did Tour de Sol, we went to Five Guys, and then we went to In-N-Out after to get milkshakes. That's right. So, that was yeah. a good day. <laughs> so you, you guys can see the uh, eating, eating disorders we deal with. Nah, it's, it's tasty. Like after a real meal, if you go allowed. It's good. I think it's good after a race as well. Yeah. If you put the effort in, yeah. uh, it's all going to go straight to your muscles anyway. So. Right, right. Well, that, at least that's my excuse. Um, all right, so that's the nutrition. Um, now, your profession though, like, what are some secrets in terms of getting your body prepped and ready for the race? Is there anything you can do in that time right around racing or right around training that really just helps you, you know, recover or get prepared? So, not, yeah, you know, you don't have to give too much away, but maybe you give us a little taste of what you can do. So, a lot of the people, the more I kind of get into biking and, and racing, and just in the whole cycles in general, you have to realize that you're you're just a, you're a human. So you have to kind of give yourself cycles of recovery, whether it's like a year, a year cycle or just like throughout the week, okay. or maybe throughout three months. And 
a lot of the people that I've seen, I mean, I'm, not, I'm still pretty new to this, but I have seen other sports, is, is people go into too fast and they, you know, they have a good time and they see results quickly and then the results plateau and then they get discouraged or they push harder and then they could just crash out different systems, whether it's endocrine or muscle or they, they get injured because they can't take the load that they put, in, put themselves on. So I would say if you're really serious about what you're doing, at least read into it. Don't just, don't just take an advice from someone that's on the bike. Ask them what they do and how they do it or how did they find the information. I guess it's just, my, if I have to put everything in a nutshell, just, just check your information, check, check what's, what's out there and, and confirm it. But as far as for me, you know, be ready mentally and physically. So if you feel like you're tired and you know, your coach told you that you have a big block of training coming up, it's okay to reschedule, you know, like right. you're, not, uh, you're not getting paid for this, you're here to have fun. And you want to get good results, but if you're already beat up and tired, if you go out and do a crazy three hour interval, you know, yeah. workout, it's not going to help you in the long run. You're going to, it's not just the muscles, also it's your brain that contracts the muscles. And if your brain is tired and already like burnt up, right. you're not going to get a good training ride in anyways. Uh -huh. so, so what are like, um, I guess like, you know, on the bike, you're like sat in a hunched over position a lot of the time. It's kind of similar to sitting at a desk. So like, um, should people be concerned about um, that in, in itself? Like just being sat in that position the whole time, is that is that a, a good thing? Are you supposed to get your body used to that position or should you try and like, you know, counteract that like hunched over position all the time? Like, you know, people say, oh, you're sat in an office all day, you should stand up every 20 minutes like on the bike like should you get up out of the saddle and like you know kind of stretch out your muscles or you know should yeah you definitely uh that's a really good point that you bring up uh i'm glad you bring it up because i we, we worked on this with you guys but yeah it, the human body is not meant to be on a bicycle you know uh -huh. no matter how cool you look with your outfit you know you're not meant to be on there for a long period of time yeah you, you the way you sit and if you look at the pros, you can see them. When they get on the bike, they just stay in that position. But they actually work on their position, but they spend so much time in that their body adapted completely. So you have to realize when you're off the bike, you have to kind of work on those muscles to come back where it's supposed to be, to keep you upright. So yeah, whatever you can do um, when you're off the bike and you enjoy doing other things, mm -hmm. do them because they'll get some of the other muscles stronger. So when you're on the bike, I call it dynamic sitting, I guess. I don't, okay. I don't know if it's a term, I just coined it. But you gotta, you gotta be dynamic on the bike. You can't just sit on your butt. You have to be off the saddle. And okay, you have to kind of flow between your pedals, your butt, and your hands. Okay. So and it takes a bit of skill, and, and some people just don't. I've told them about it, and they don't get it sometimes. Right. Uh, but a lot of people actually do get it. And it makes your, it'll make your life a lot easier on the bike. Yeah. Be able to handle longer loads meaning longer distances but you want to flow you want to get up the saddle out of the saddle um, like, you know, um, stretch stretch your legs a little bit here and there yeah. it's okay to get out don't hunch your shoulders that's the biggest one I see all the time all and right. it's and it's some of it is just proper fit you know He's, even though you're not meant to be on the bike for long times you can you can optimize it by, by a good fit and you, you're, you're a certified bike fitter right you, you, I take I take in classes, yeah. Um, out of a really good physical therapist who works with the uh, UCI Paralympic team, he takes he does classes out of Seattle, Washington, and I've taken two of his classes, which is a really basic fit. Um, you know, people get fancy with the with the fitting, and that's good if you have the resources. But a lot of people don't. 
So this fit is uh, super quick and it's pretty much an optimal biomechanical fit. So the joints will be measured and, and, and the forces that they're on the bike, there'll be a proper stress on the joint so you don't, you don't get the aches and pains, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, right, we're, co we're coming up to the half hour mark. Pavel, what do you think? Shall we get into this uh, Q&A session? Yeah, man, it sounds, okay, sounds okay, great. So, so, so Ish is physical therapist, bike fitter, <laughs> you know, moved from Hungary. Anyone got any questions for him? I've got some questions, but like... I'll, I'll throw out some questions. Okay, Andrew, okay. let's go. Um, so I've got some chronic neck issues, and I find cycling is hard for me because I'm always crunched down like this. Especially when I need to you know, get down all the drops and stuff, uh -huh. it really kind of torques my neck. Yeah. Any suggestions for preparation, stretches, anything that can be done to try to alleviate those Gotcha. So repeat repeat yep, the question. Yep, for yep. Him, yeah. So Andrew's question is um, pretty much neck pain in the back, I assume. And, and then and it gets worse with, you know, sitting on the bike and getting into the drops. And so what's happening, you're extending your neck. Extension is kind of like bringing the back of your neck closer to your lower spine, I guess. So you bring your chin up, which is pretty common for cyclists. So what's happening is all the muscles in the front get stretched out and all the muscles in the back of your spine get shortened. So over time, that will lead to issues because your spine is kind of extending. So imagine... Um, I don't know, like take a foam roll and bend it backwards. And that, that bending back is kind of closing down some of those little nerve roots, which will cause the irritation. So the, the quickest fix that most physical therapists will give you off the bat is, you know, posture correction, which is hard on the bike. But um, if you take some time and just retract, retract your neck and, and I can show it to you right now, I'm showing it to you right now. So take your chin, you can do it together. Uh, pretend your chin is on the table so it's flat. So you don't want to go down or up, and just gonna go straight back. So pretend, and you can add a little pressure, add a little pressure with your uh, with your hands, and just push it, push it back, and hold it for about I don't know five seconds. And if you really, you know, it's like, it's like you're having like like doing a double chin, right? Yeah, you're double chin. Exactly. Yeah. It you, don't, you don't want to take a picture in that position. Yeah, right? no, no, no selfies in the position, but also. Uh, I like to do this when I'm driving, actually, uh, because you know you have some downtime, in it, if you will, and your neck is just kind of chilling forward, anyways. Um, so this will kind of counteract that, and if you do it long enough, you'll see the results. Because if you think about it, you know you don't, it's in, you get this pain, what, like a year into biking, or I don't know. Well, it's not necessarily related to biking. I mean, I have, I have some discs, protrusions in mm -hmm. my neck, so. So yeah, it, flare up with biking, uh -huh. so it's a chronic injury. Yeah, and it, you know, because the way humans live nowadays on the computers and sitting all the time and, and then, you know, typewriting forward, yeah, you'll get that almost again. It's the same issue. The bike just exa exacerbates it, as we call it. So you got to extend and retract, sort of try and um, try and make up the muscles in the front and relax the muscles in the back. Um, and that's, that's pretty much the nutshell. And, you know, it typically takes about a good... 45 minutes to learn the proper movements actually but um, just you know nutshell answer is just retract and, and work against the motion of, of let's call it computer sitting I guess and, and bike sitting and once again the tricky part with physical therapy questions and, and, and free advice is you know it works you know it looks looks good on paper and looks yeah. good me explaining it but unless you do it and you oh, put yeah. it in, it's not gonna work 
and worry. then we'll get your contact in for right, some right, 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 right. <laughs> no, I mean you can see you see any physical therapist, yeah, uh, yeah. and it's all like you putting in the time. You know yeah. how you have to work against that motion, and you can get a quick fix, and you can have a manipulation um, through a PT or a Cairo, and you feel good because you kind of reset some joints and you get that relief. But you know, once you go back into that protruded forward position, your symptoms will probably come back. Cool. All right. Um, no, that's a great. Okay, we got another question already. Let's go. Ish. <laughs> yes. So I, I think my hips get lazy and my flexibility is terrible. So like I, I think I have this feeling when I'm really sitting on my sit bones in the saddle, but then I get lazy and I think it goes forward, and then of course my perineum and that stuff gets a bit uncomfortable. So throughout the ride, and, and you know, I, I think it's improved some. And I think just riding more on the road as opposed to mountain bike has put me into that position more. But what's the feeling? Like, do you, do you have a sense of what your hips are doing in the saddle? And then how do I improve my flexibility to think that, because instead of them rocking forward more and it putting more pressure where it shouldn't be as opposed to sitting down, and then that's another thing that I think I rotate while I'm riding as a, you know, and of course if you're going uphill there's a different sensation going down, so. So, what's your name again? Charles. So Charles brings up a good point, which is uh, hip issues on the bike. Um, I know those. Yeah, a lot, lot of cyclists know that. So, let's say your fit is good. Let's say your, your hips and knees and ankles are aligned. You're still working in a very, very limited motion. If, you're, if you ride a lot, that hip motion is pretty much like 30, 35% of your normal range. So if you get stuck in there a lot, your your joint is kind of enclosed in a capsule, and you probably know this because you're a, you're a vet. So, not everyone. Is. Yeah. So basically, you have to. There's certain stretches that you can do to open your hip up, quote unquote, and that's like a PD's favorite term is to open up the joint. But you know, you really have to just uh, stretch for one, but also stretch the right areas of the joint and also a lot of times what happens is your hip flexors get really short and tight and usually you can observe that when someone stands up uh, you, their back kind of curves forward and that's about the, the, the most common telltale sign is something's a little tight and what happens is believe it or not when you sit on the bike your glutes actually are kind of turned off and uh, that will also limit you throughout your, you know, when you get off the bike, you once again, your quads get super strong as it is. So that'll kind of lead into some, some pain off and on the bike. But as far as being pain, like having pain on the bike, I would say just, just I would take a look at the fit a little bit. I wouldn't say it's pain. Just, mm -hmm. it's just discomfort. A, there's a sensation, I think, of, the, of when you're just sitting straight up, but when, when you go down, you know, they tend to roll forward. So should I have the feeling that I'm, I'm pulling them back underneath me? Engaging my abs, or is uh, that the wrong feeling? I see what you mean. But if you feel like you're rolling forward, that's that might be just you. you I would just just adjust the saddle maybe a little bit. But you, you want your abs to be engaged. But I was I wouldn't say you have to be you know aware of it to the point where like oh my gosh I gotta keep my pelvis back like you're holding a, a ball movement or something you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you feel like your your stomach is working too hard, or you feel like it's sliding forward. Yeah, it's probably a fit issue more than just uh, anatomy, you know? But, yeah. yeah, thank you. The bike question's a little tricky because you have to, yeah, you have to consider the bike or the person, you know? And then sometimes it's a little bit of both. But hip issues are pretty common, neck issues are pretty common so yeah. far, yeah. Yeah, no, my, my, my hip issue is like, 
totally screwing with me for a long time. And it still does a little bit, but it's definitely got like, I'd say like 90% better from the advice you've given me. Sweet. Um, that was a great question. Um, any other questions? Dax, I know you got a question. No, I'm um, pretty much, I'm all torn up. <laughs> here, this is, this is Dax here, here's the mic. Okay. <laughs> I got some ACL, MCL issues. My L4 is protruded to the left side and I had issues with my sciatic and I had doctors before told me can't do riding, can't do this and that. But I kind of like just found ways on how to like avoid that position. Like sometimes my friend would see me, hey, your right leg is off. It's because I'm just kind of like trying to compensate with the, my knee issues. So like I, I'm just kind of like wondering, I mean, this I got when I was really young, back in my probably 20s. It's just being young and stupid, you know. Just like what you said before, you don't recover and everything. And I'm just like trying to make sure, you know, like sometimes you're, you wanted to like to push and, but I, I know I could be on a certain level, but because of these issues, kind of like bothers me, like my mind. So how do you get over that? Like, it's a pretty deep question. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Let's yeah, there's okay. a lot going on. Okay, let's try and, I'll let you try and answer that. All right, so let's, <laughs> let's, let's start with like the first part of it is, is how, do you, how do you feel better, first of all, I guess? That would be the, the best approach, I think. Is, you know, because you have these injuries, you want, you want to push yourself, but you can because holding you back. I have a bunch of doctors. No more yeah, like doctors tell you to back off and, and sit on the couch all day, right? Yeah, well, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would say... I would address the back issue first. Uh, you know, on the bike you're gonna be flexed. There's nothing you can do about it. But what you can do is is, is get into an exercise program where you extend your back. And you know, typically with protrusions, that's stuff going towards the back of your spine. So there's a lot of as uh, a program called the McKenzie method. I will find the physical therapist or in town that, that specializes in that. They'll show you some ways that you can manage that. And actually, it's a very, very well uh, established method for back pain, especially with um, flexion problems. As far as your knee goes, if your fit is proper, you know, being on the bike is actually good for those ACL, MCL injuries because those ligaments limit knee motion by your running and, and, you know, but you're on the bike, your, your, your leg is tied down to the pedals. So unless you crash really hard, not, actually the motion that you're putting on the bike is actually should be good for them because there's very small translation on the, on the joint. So as far as that goes, if you fix those two problems, just and that, that's, that's my quick quick answer to the to the fixes. So get a proper fit and get into see see a professional who specializes in maybe McKenzie. And after that, if you're gonna see your body's gonna feel better, and then and I think you can push and and that's you know that's. A lot of the times the brain gets stuck in this painful pattern experience. So just yeah, your, your mind can your mind will like, make it worse than it really right, is. Yeah, right, you yeah. Because your mind controls some of these systems that you have no control over. You know, you can't really control if your butterflies or not. And that's what kind of happens with stress. You know, you get stuck in this chronic stress feeling and all the hormones that are in your body are kind of more damaging than helping you. So, 
and I'm not saying you have that, but some people do that overtrain with injury, they just kind of push through it, and then they end up in this painful cycle of like feeling good for like a month and then feeling crappy for the next month, and it's, I don't think that's healthy. So definitely, I think you're on the right track. You, you know what your problems are, so I would, I would address them first, and then hopefully, or most likely, you'll get some good results with that, and then you can start pushing yourself on the bike, whether it's racing or you know doing century or whatever you know? i don't know what your goals are yeah. awesome that's a great question um we have we have two more questions let's go we'll go with carrie first okay hi ish i am totally changing the subject right now but when you go back to hungary what is the first thing you have to eat like you go straight there you've missed it so much what is it love it uh i have to say it's my grandma's goulash Soup. So I, love, I love goulash, I think most Hungarians do, but my gr yeah. goulash is a soup. Uh, goulash? Yeah, you guys call it goulash, but uh, it's goulash. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's basically beef stew with potatoes and carrots, and it's. You're gonna give us the recipe so we can post it on the show. You know, it, the recipe is actually pretty easy, it's the ingredients that make it, make it tasty. Yeah, and, and you, you typically eat it with bread, so the bread has to be the right, so definitely has to be lo locally sourced. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. So, gouache? Yeah, G U L Y. Grandma's gouache. All right. Yeah. So, the best one. Yeah. so, if anyone goes to Hungary, they just get, yeah, go get your, your grandma's yeah. number. So, they, okay, cool. She'll hook uh, you up. All right. We got another question from Andrew. More of a comment, actually, but kind of going back to Dax's question. The McKenzie method did wonders for my back. I've got a ruptured L5S1. I spent probably a year, two years, just going to a physical therapist doing exercises that made no difference whatsoever and getting very frustrated with it. And then I just happened to, one of my clients actually is a neuro, neurosurgeon, and he said, have you tried the McKenzie method? So I just told him my back's been killing me forever and I didn't want to have surgery. I was like, I didn't think that was really gonna solve the issue. So yeah, and it was, I mean, it was like ridiculous. Like within a week or two, I started doing these different McKenzie method stretches and I haven't looked back. I still do them every day, even though my back doesn't hurt. And I think that kind of maintains. Um, so I can totally vouch for that. And there's a book that I got that's all about the McKenzie method, if you want to borrow it. I'll, I'll bring it, yeah, I'll bring it over sometime. It's amazing, it really, I mean, I couldn't believe it. it and it made me wonder, like, why isn't every physical therapist just telling people to lower back pain to do this for a week or two instead of, like, over, like, I mean, it was years of pain for me. Yeah, so McKenzie method actually has been around, and it's a really good topic actually, you could have hours on this, but that's when physical therapy is tricky because a lot of the PTs, unfortunately, I mean, this is like, we're going way off, but they get over overwhelmed, you know, and they kind of misdiagnose. So if this method is used properly, it's very, very powerful. So yeah, so anyone that you know or knows a therapist, and I'm gonna do a shout out from my guy, as, as Ron Gallagher at Max, Maximum Velocity Physical Therapy. And he does a really good, good work, not just the McKenzie, but overall. But he really enjoys his method because the, the very powerful part about this is, you mentioned the little booklet that you got. Um, this method puts huge emphasis on, on patient um, education and then kind of taking over your, your problems, if you will, quote unquote problems. It, yeah, it promotes self-dependence. So, you know, you don't have to rely on a physical therapist or a chiropractor to go back to him because, you know, if you're a decent physical therapist, you can, oh, I might, people don't like me for this, but 
if you're good at what you do, you can figure someone out within six visits, if you will, you know, and after that, it's, you know, maybe something's not right, the person just has a different injury or, you know, you're on the wrong track. So if you, if you know what you're doing, you can figure someone out, educate them, here's the book, circle the things they have to do, uh, whether it's neck, uh, upper back, lower back, hips, arms, whatever, um, and, and promote some self-independence as far as your rehab. As far, and, you know, you, you have to own up to your injury. You're going to have the injury for the rest of your life, if you will. You, you, it's going to get better and heal for most of the times, but sometimes you have to manage it. And then, like I said earlier, with your first question, you know, you, you can't help it that you have to be on a computer. You can't help it that your job requires you to drive. But what you can do is, you know, once a day, spend that extra 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and do your exercises. That's all it takes. I mean, if you really care about your health and um, you want to be a better cyclist, a better, you know, just feel better in your own body, spend that extra 10 minutes, you know. Like, like what you guys promote, yeah. your company. Look at what you put in your body, you know. Have that higher standard of, you know, I'm going to put this in my mouth. This has been around the real world, you know. It's been through some processing, whatever, it's minimal or whatever. Just just have the higher standard and take care of yourself. Yeah. You know? No, I think, I, I think I spoke to you before about it. In, in, in the most basic sense, it's all about just moving, right? Like you just yeah. want to move and not, not sit down all day. Like actually get out and yeah, riding the bike puts you in a position, but yeah, you are moving, yeah. um, you know, go running, go, do some swimming, whatever. Like. Well, yeah, it, 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 that's what it is. I mean, we are living in a society where we pretty much 80% of our time we sit, you know? And then if you look at any other animal in the world, maybe besides a cat, a cat sleeps a lot, but uh, they're pretty flexible. But uh, everybody moves around and you're living in this environment that's dynamic, you know? Even a cat, when they wake up... Yeah, when they wake up, they go crazy. They scratch, they scratch, and they... They, they run around, yeah. All so, right. I don't know. Yeah. No, excellent. Um, any, any other quick questions anyone has? I think it addressed pretty much everything. Pablo, any, any other questions? No, no, man, it's awesome. All right, well, no, I think this has been great. I think um, we're going to wrap it up, but before we do that, Ish, do you want to tell people how they can contact you and get, get oh, yeah. better um, advice? Or, no, more, more advice, not better advice, um, like more. Yeah, if you want to get, you know, if you want to get into more uh, fitted, fitted or you have some questions, you can always find me on the road, I guess. Uh -huh. I, I do the Tuesday McGee's ride all the time. Okay. Uh, if you want to meet up there. You have a Facebook? Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's my... Your full search, name? Search my name, yeah. yeah if you so look at the show notes, you can check the spelling. Right. So it's um, I... I-S-T-V-A-N. Uh -huh. And the last name is T-A-K-A-C-S. Okay, cool. I'm on Instagram. I think my handle is T-A-K-A-C-S-1-3. Okay. I think. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, and we'll put all those on the show notes yeah. so people can get in touch with you. I'm on Strava, but... Yeah. I know people are on there, but uh, that's pretty much it. I, don't, I, don't, I, have a, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it, so, okay. yeah. Okay, well, awesome. Um, once again, this has been episode seven with Ish. It's, it's been a really good episode. Um, check out the show notes on Felixa.com. Uh, nice closing music. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, great, clo great closing music right now. Say, saying goodbye. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, um, we'll hope you join us uh, on an espresso ride soon. We leave um, every Sunday morning yeah, exactly. from Vegas Bike Show at 7 a.m. Peace out and thanks, everyone. Bye.